You know, the last words that someone speaks, they are powerful and they leave a lasting impression. The last words that someone speaks. The last words that Elvis Presley, the famous singer, his last words were, I hope I haven't bored you. Winston Churchill said, I hope that I haven't bored you, but I'm bored with all of it. Diana Prince of Wales, who was killed in a car wreck in Paris in a tunnel, her last words were, my God, what's happened? Last words often reveal a person's hopes and a person's dreams, a person's heart. And so this morning, I want to speak on the subject, last words, because last words are very important. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Go to the very last chapter, chapter 28, and I want to read verses 16 through 20, and I want to speak on the importance of last words. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So according to Matthew's gospel, these were the last words that Jesus spoke before he returned to heaven. But in these last words, I want you to also notice that it is his last request. You know, sometimes people may ask a request of us. It not only is his last words, it is his last request. His last request is that we would go and make disciples, that we would go and share with other people what Jesus Christ has done in our life, that we would tell the story of the gospel, that God created this beautiful world and it was perfect in every way, but man chose to go another way, man's own way, and that separated mankind from God with sin. But God loved the world so much, he gave his only son. He died for the sins of the whole world. And if we will admit that we are a sinner, we will repent from those sins, we will receive Christ into our life, we're forgiven of our sins and a relationship with our creator is restored. And not only is he our creator, not only is he our God, he becomes our heavenly father. And it's a... uh, a choice that he wants every person to make. And when we make that, we're to share the story and we're to be baptized. Baptized is a, rec- is a reflection that we have come to a place that we've repented of our sins and we now have committed our life to Jesus Christ. It's more than just someone going public with their faith and a relationship with God. In its truest sense, baptism is me submitting to the commandments and to be obedient to God. It is me willing to say, not only have I trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm willing to follow his teachings, and I'm willing to follow his ways. So those that we've celebrated baptism with, it's not just an indication that they will go to heaven one day. It's an indication that while on earth, they are followers of Christ, disciples, and they will be faithful. When you think about it, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, 
We are to be faithful carriers of the single most transforming message the world has ever known, and that is Jesus Christ. A relationship with Jesus Christ transforms a person's life more than anything else or anyone else could possibly transform them. And because of that, church family, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we should live our lives with a distinct conviction that our lives can make a difference in the world in which we live. That we would cultivate our relationship with God. We would cultivate that relationship so much that we had a growing passion for every broken life, every broken soul, that we would have a passion to see every heart aligned with God's heart. That's what we're called to do. I'm one of the people that still read the old-fashioned newspaper, the print form, that's delivered at your house. And so we get the town talk about three days a week, and I read through most all of it. I even stop on the page where they have the obituaries, the listing and the picture and a description of someone's life who once was but now has passed. And then they tell about their family, and in the article they will say when the celebration of life will be for this person. I read those. Even though I don't know these people, I read them. And at the very end of every one of their story, I always ask myself the question, where are they now? Now that their life has ended on earth, where are they now? Because the Bible says that when we breathe our last breath, our next breath is somewhere else. It is either in a place called hell, where there is torture, or it is in a wonderful place called heaven. And I look at their pictures, and I read their story of life, and I wonder where they are now. So across the next few moments, I want us to uh, talk about some practical ways that you and I can fulfill what God wants us to do. And that is, how do we share our faith with other people? How do we follow what was called this great commission, which was Jesus, not only his last words, it was his last request. So I want to give you a few talking points, a few things to consider. Number one, we should cultivate a heart that is soft toward people disconnected from God. We should cultivate a heart for those who are disconnected from God. And this is hard because you and I are very selfish people. We're always thinking about ourselves, but we should be given thought, how can God use me to soften someone's heart that is so far out of alignment with him that they would come to that moment in their life that they would trust Christ themselves? Maybe we should start every day with this prayer, God, give me a heart about what your heart cares about. And of all the things that God cares about, what he cares about the most is that everyone would come into a personal relationship with him. And so our prayer should be, God, this day there are a lot of things on my to-do list, there are a lot of tasks that I have to perform, but God, would you give me a heart? Would you give me a heart for the things that your heart cares about? Would you give me enormous levels of compassion for those who were so far away from you, God? Would you give me that? 
Would you help me understand that there are people all around me? They're nice, they're kind, they're helpful, they're good friends. But they need a spiritual transformation because they have never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And readying myself for this message today, I ran across some research that LifeWay has done. And here's what their research says. That one in five Americans have a commitment to Christ that is real and life-changing. That one in five Americans have a commitment to Christ that is real and life-changing. So what the other side of that is, is that that means that there are four Americans out of five who don't. If one out of five are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then the other four or that five, they don't have a relationship with Christ. So I started thinking about central Louisiana. We love this place. I love this place. This place is heavy on my heart. And so I found that the last census in 2019, at that time, there were 129,648 people living in Rapids Parish. So if one in five of all those living in the parish have a commitment to Christ, that means 25,929 would be those people. But the four out of five that are left would be 103,719. But here's what I want us to get. You see, church family, we live in a mission field. We don't have to travel anywhere to another country. We don't have to catch a plane. We don't have to ride a boat. We live in a mission. We live in a missionary area, and we have missionaries here that are under-engaged in our missionary opportunities that we have right here. You see, the same Jesus that died for the sins of the world, he died for everyone who lives in Sinla as well. But you know what? We're at home in the pace of life, the craziness of life, the busyness of life. It distracts us and it keeps us from thinking about the opportunities that we have every single day to be kind and be loving and then let people know the reason that we care about them and the reason that we're there to help them is because we love Christ and Christ loves them and we want so much for them to be in a relationship with Him. You see, if this is America. So if one in five Americans do not have a real and life-changing relationship with God, those numbers, they apply right here. Now in Jesus' day, here's what he said to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. Which means in Sinla, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let's ask God to put someone on our heart whose heart is out of alignment with Him. Someone, God, put someone on my heart that if their heart was aligned with your heart, their marriage would be better, their family would be better, their whole outlook on life would be better. God, put someone on my heart whose heart is so far away from you 
so that you might use me so that Jesus Christ could be the Savior and the leader of their life. Let's ask God to cultivate our hearts where we have a softness to those who are disconnected. Secondly, let's maintain a high level of preparedness. Let's let's be prepared. If God offers us the opportunity, how would we respond? How would we share our story? You know, we just finished a wonderful series called My Story. It was tremendous. It talked about freedom and uh, talked about restoration and provisions that God makes. And there are people that we cross paths with every single day, and they need their story to be our story. They, they want our story to be implanted in their story because they know what God has done for us. And so let's remember, church family, let's maintain a high level of preparedness. Am I ready at any moment for someone to ask me, why do you have the hope that you have? 1 Peter 3.15, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it to them. Can we explain that? Can we let them know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and how that hope has come about in our life? And so when I look at this text right here, it says, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You see, no one is going to be asking about the hope of my Christian life if Jesus is not the Lord of my life. What makes us different is when Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, then we live as different people. If he's not the Lord of my life, if I'm not allowing him to rule my life and lead my life every day, then there's no living hope in me that they would want. So before I can live that living hope, I need to make sure that daily that I am submitting my life, not for salvation again, but for Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the leader of my thoughts and my actions and my words and my responses and my attitude and everything about me. You see, what the New Testament says, when he is the Lord of our lives, then people will ask us about the hope we have. But if he's just a part of the life, but not the Lord of my life, not the leader of my life. There's probably not enough living hope they see that they might want anything that I have. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, these early believers who risk it all to be followers of him. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that they had been with Jesus. You see, when Christ is the leader of my life, he transforms my value system. When Christ is the Lord of my life, he puts me on a higher level of life and a different focus of life. When he's the Lord of my life, I care about the things that he cares about. I have compassion. I have love. When he's the Lord of my life, I rearrange my priorities. I redirect my time. I use my energies and my resources differently, different. Because you see, when he's the Lord of my life, he's the driver of my life. He's the one that's pushing my life, and it's not me. When he is the Lord of our life, even when we lived in troubled times in which we live, 
when he is the Lord of my life, people should see that there is a calmness about me that they don't see in other people. Not only is there is a calmness, there is a clarity and there is a confidence I have. And it's all because who is the Lord of my life and who is the leader of my life. He does that for us. And so the scripture says that we should be prepared to explain why we're like we are, to be able to share the good news, the gospel, the whole story of the gospel, that we should be prepared for that at any given moment. And have we thought enough about the story of the gospel that we could do that? I'm hoping that, uh, that God will put upon our hearts a greater sense of responsibility to be able to do that. And just to help you do that, we have some left. A lot were taken after the first service. But if you would really like to think more about how would I do that myself, you could pick up a track. It's at the Welcome Center. There's some in some baskets there. Just take one of these, read it and read it. Maybe stick it in your pocket, put it in your purse. All of a sudden, you may have this opportunity that you never saw coming to share Christ with someone This little book will help familiarize you with the whole story of the gospel in a way that you could share that. Also, we have some books that are left over from a past initiative that we have called Tell Someone. I don't know how many are left out in the bookstore, but they're free today. They're free today. That doesn't mean when we close in prayer that you can sneak out real early, okay, and try to beat everybody to something to get something free but they're free, and I hope that maybe God puts this upon your heart, and you all of a sudden want to start walking a different pathway now that you have found Christ. How do you make him the Lord, the leader every day, and then how do you share that with others? And then lastly, capitalize on opportunities to have spiritual conversations. Capitalize it on those opportunities. You see, we have those opportunities come our way. They're all around us. We're not listening for those opportunities. People open up the door for us to share, but we're preoccupied with some other things, what we're going to do next, and we're really not dialed in and tuned in to what they're asking us. So let's capitalize on the opportunities that we have. Let's be more intentional as we live our daily lives. Here's what Colossians 4 3 through 6 says, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. And this is why I'm here in chains. Paul in prison, but he's looking for opportunities. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and let it be attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone who asks you. Our lives should be attractive. You know, the way we carry ourselves, we should be relaxed, we should be friendly, we should be warm, we should be inviting. As we go about our daily life, it is not an accident that God leads us on the pathway that he does. Every day as we follow God's pathway, opportunities may present themselves for us to share with others what Christ means to us. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to receive the message, but at least they heard the message. You know, it makes me wonder sometimes when I read the obits, did those people ever hear the message? Did someone ever 
offer them an opportunity. Could their eternity be different if they had received Christ, had they received Christ? You see, we have opportunities that are all around us. Now, we have to use good sense. You know, we don't need to be bullies out with the gospel. We don't need to be trying to put people in headlocks and persuade them to do things. We do not need to be offensive. But church family, we do not need to be too reluctant either. We need to ask God to give us wisdom and discernment so that we can understand and that we can know. We need to see the opportunities that God opens on a daily basis for us. We need to see those opportunities. So here's one of my favorite conversation starters for me. When I'm somewhere in a doctor's office and all of a sudden you're engaged in a conversation or someone stops you and you start talking about other things, whenever I have the moment after a conversation has been going on for a little bit, I will ask the question, when you attend church, where do you attend? Now see, that's not offensive because I'm assuming they go to church. So I say, when, when you attend church, where do you go to church? And then that can be open a doorway for me to share about my relationship with Christ and how the church is a big part of how I follow Christ. It's where I have community. It's where I continue to study and move forward in my faith. A George Barner survey reported that 25% of adults would attend someone's church if they were invited. 25% would attend a church if they were invited. So church family, we have some wonderful opportunities ahead to invite people to church with us. Julie talked to us about tickets for a Calvary Christmas go on sale for us next Sunday, I think it was. Why not go ahead and buy some extra tickets? And just have them ready and invite someone with you to a Calvary Christmas. Tell them you've already bought them tickets, they're already paid for, that you would love for them to join you in the celebration of the birth of Christ and come to their church. Come here. I mean, Christmas is the easiest time of the year to invite someone. Everybody celebrates Christmas. They may not celebrate Christmas as you celebrate Christmas, but it is it's a holiday. And people have Christmas on their mind. Buy a few tickets and be prepared to invite someone, someone in your neighborhood, someone who works in your office, just someone to be your guest and be a part of a Calvary Christmas. So I just want to close the service today. And remember, last words, they're important. We remember last words. I remember the last words my mom spoke to me. I remember last words. And when we look at Jesus' last words, in his last words was his last response for us to share Christ with those that we come in contact with. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to have some of our ministers right here at the front. When the service breaks up, if you would like to talk to someone about your spiritual journey, uh, they would welcome the opportunity. There will be some out in the lobby as well. But I just want you to think with me for a moment, church family, that we would seize, that we would capitalize on the moments that God gives us on a daily basis 
that we would begin every day and ask God to use us in some way to share a conversation with Jesus Christ. That He would put upon our hearts what is most important, and that is the eternity of every person who is alive. He has given us the message, the good news of Christ. It's for people of all walks of life, all colors, all nationalities, because all of us have something in common. Two things, really. We're all sinners, and we all are offered an opportunity for a Savior. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the joy that this service has brought to us as we have had the opportunity to celebrate baptism with so many children and adults as well. And God, I pray that you'll help us now be that church that will come alongside of them and help them follow Christ and and mature in their faith. But I pray, God, that we would reflect just for a moment on that wonderful experience of baptism. Who would we like to see in that baptistry at some point? Celebrating that they have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would put that person on our hearts. I pray that you will help us to see an opportunity to share our story with them. I pray as we go about the busyness of life this week, that you would give us wisdom and discernment to see opportunities that are presented to us. I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you for her heart to reach others for Christ. I pray that you will empower us to do that now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend.